Let's begin. This course is called The Gifts of the Holy Spirit. And specifically tonight we will be going over the area of the gift of the working of miracles. So last week we covered the gift of faith. We're going to be continuing in the area of the three power gifts. Our main text, it's been the same for the whole course, is 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 through 14. The first sentence is important. In King James it says for us not to be ignorant. But this says, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware. So whether he doesn't want us to be unaware, he doesn't want us to be ignorant, it means there's something that he wants us to learn, he wants us to know. And so that's what we're doing in this course, is we're studying on these nine gifts of the Spirit, the gifts that he gives, as he wills. Not as I will, not as you will, but as he wills. So we're going to be going over the working of miracles. The three power gifts are the gift of faith, the gift of the working of miracles, and gifts of healings. Now, we know if we go ahead and we read in this main text, I'll start with verse 4. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of ministries, and the same Lord. And there are varieties of effects, but the same God, who works all things in all persons. There are varieties of ministries, and the same Lord. And there are varieties of effects, but the same God, who works all things in all persons. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, and to another the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, and to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, and to another the effecting of miracles, to another prophecy, and to another the distinguishing of spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues." But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually just as he wills. These are not written in order of importance. And we know that for sure. And the way that we know that is if we continue on in 1 Corinthians, we can go over to verse 28. It says, And now God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healings. Now that's why we're teaching on miracles before gifts of healing. In verse 9, it's listing the gifts of healing first and then affecting of miracles, but it says gifts of healings, helps, administrations, various kinds of tongues. Now the other thing that I want you to see there, we had talked about this, but again when it talks of gifts of healing in verse 9, gifts is plural and the word healing is not. But in verse 28, they're both plural. And we said in the Greek, both those words are plural. So we see here it's done with both being plural. Let's go ahead and we're going to move into the area of working of miracles. Now because we just taught on the gift of faith, I want to talk about the difference between the gift of faith and the gift of the working of miracles. The gift of faith receives a miracle. And the working of miracles works a miracle. One gift passively expects and receives, and the other is active, it works. And you can notice even in the scripture, like 1 Corinthians 12.10, it calls it to another the working of miracles. So they're doing something. Now, in terms of the definition for the gift of the working of miracles, we could say it this way. A miracle is a supernatural intervention in the ordinary course of nature. I'll say that again. A supernatural intervention in the ordinary course of nature. 
For instance, parting the Red Sea, stopping a storm, things like that. Some examples in the Old Testament would be 2 Kings 2, 9-14, where Elijah ascended to heaven and Elisha received his mantle. And after receiving his mantle, he smote the Jordan River and it parted and he passed over it. He worked a miracle there. That was a working of miracles. Oftentimes we get real comfortable just using the word miracles in our language and we may say, oh, somebody arrived on time. It's a miracle. So we talk like that, but in terms of being specific and accurate in terms of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, that's not a miracle, even though we may speak like that with our language. A miracle is supernatural intervention in the natural course of nature. So that's what it is when it comes from God. Another example of working of miracles in the Old Testament, some reasons to see the working of miracles would be for miraculous deliverance. And a good example of that, for instance, is when God's people got out of Egyptian bondage. We see that in Exodus chapter 7, verse 10, when Aaron's rod, after he threw it down, became a serpent. That was the working of a miracle. And it was for a purpose. It was for deliverance, to get God's people set free. And also in Exodus, we can see it in chapter 8, verse 16, where the dust was turned into insects. That was a working of a miracle. And we're all usually really familiar with this one. Moses, in obeying to deliver them, come right up to the sea, and they've got mountains on one side and something on the other side, and they've got the enemy behind them, and there's nowhere for them to go, and it appears as though they're trapped. However, God is so good, he never lets us stay in a position where we're trapped. He always has a way out. So if you just believe in him and trust in him, no matter what it looks like, what's before you, what kind of obstacle is on the left or the right, your God has a way for you to get out of it. He's a good God, and he's got a way out. And his resources aren't limited. His power, his strength is not limited. And he's not even limited to the natural functioning of things on this earth because he created this earth. So, no matter what's in front of you, what's on the sides of you, what's behind you, God has a way out. And Moses stretched out the rod, obeyed God, and the sea was divided. Now, when that happened, there were two different gifts operating there. First, the working of miracles, because it took a miracle for that to occur. Then second, the gift of faith because it took faith to believe it would stay divided and that water would stay away so that that entire army and you know just to give us an idea have you ever seen like the Ten Commandments or any of those shows where they show that army passing through that was a lot of people I mean it wasn't like you know boom it's open you do it and it's over it took faith for them to enter in it did took faith to look at that wall of water on both sides. How would you like to be the last one? <laughs> hurry, guys, hurry. Hurry, hurry. Well, the first or the last, really. You know, but somebody had to be first and somebody had to be last. And then the second they made it through, then what happened? Then that gift of faith didn't need to function any longer. And it certainly didn't because then when the enemy came through, the water came down on top of them took care of their enemies.
which that you know really that's a praise god too because otherwise the enemy would have been behind them also so even though they got deliverance going before them the obstacle was removed in front of them there still would have been a hindrance behind them but god part, parted the before them the path and took away the was behind them i mean god has a way of dealing with problems he has a good way of dealing with problems okay another way that we see the gift of working of miracles is through provision or to supply provision and we see this a couple times in the old testament specifically in the area in kings in first kings and in second kings and in first kings chapter 17 elijah and the woman and her son and she said that she didn't have enough i'm going to paraphrase but that basically she had enough meal a handful of meal to make a cake for her and for her son they were going to eat it and then they were going to die so that's where she was at. And the prophet says to her, make one for me first and then you. And so that would take faith on her part to be willing to even do that. I mean, if she's thinking this is her last meal for her and her son, but then the prophet gives her a promise and he lets her know that it won't run out until it rains. Her food won't run out until it rains. Well, and then what, what happens? As soon as it'll rain, the natural will take over and she'll be able to get more food. So in other words, God was saying through the prophet that he would sustain them supernaturally until the rain came. She had to be willing, though, to give out of was what was not extra, what was not the overflow and the surplus, not discretionary income, Americans talk about discretionary income, you know, that surplus above and beyond bills, that money you have that to play with. She didn't give out of that. She gave out of the need. She gave out of, and, and you know, when you start talking about food and the food being the last meal, about as needy as you can get. And so that was need, and she gave out of that place. And yet look at God's provision to her. So this was the working of miracles in this, where she was then supplied food also second kings chapter 4 verses 1 through 7 now we see elijah's ministry where he goes to a widow and she has a pot of oil and food is an issue in this case but he says to her go get all of your pots and the lord will fill all of them and get pots from your neighbors and your friends again i'm paraphrasing and so all of these are filled until all the pots she can find are filled with oil. So again, a working of miracles for provision. Now, we see the working of miracle in the New Testament also, but we can notice this if we study the Old and the New Testament and the gifts of the Holy Spirit, is that we will see that there was more operation of the gifts of, of the working of miracles in the Old Testament than there is in the New. Yet, at the same time, we see that there was more uh, of the operation of the gifts of healings operating in the New Testament than in the Old. So now let's go ahead and we're going to look at provision, the working of miracles in the New Testament. A great example is in John chapter 6, verses 6 through 14. And start in verse 5 where are we to buy bread that these may eat so jesus sees that there's a multitude and that they're hungry so he says this to philip to test philip and this he was saying to test him for he himself knew what he was intending to do and philip answered him 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them for anyone to receive a little one of his disciples andrew simon's 
Simon Peter's brother said to him, There is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are these for so many people? You'd think that the disciples would have known what Jesus was capable of doing by this point. And yet he was testing them to see how are they going to respond. And the disciple says, well, where are we to buy bread for all of these? But Jesus says to them, have the people sit down. And so they sat down. And then Jesus took the loaves and having given thanks, he distributed to those who were seated. Likewise, also of the fish as much as they wanted. And when they were filled, he said to his disciple, gather up the leftover fragments that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves, which were left over by those who had eaten. When therefore the people saw the sign which he had performed, they said, this is of a truth, the prophet who is to come into the world. Now, they just had a little bit, but notice in this case, Jesus didn't do it out of nothing. He used what they had and he multiplied it. So it was a provision, it was working of miracle, but he did it out of what they had. And we've heard it ministered before, what do you have, what's in your hand? And so sometimes you can look at the amount of money that you have and think, well, it's not enough. But if you will use it the way that God leads you to use it, he will make it be enough. See, we're not limited and we're not to function the way the world system functions. We're not limited to the world system. And our source is not just our salary from our job, but that God is the higher source over the salary, over the, the set income that comes in. God is the source. So no matter what your amount is, even if it seems little, if you take it and you distribute it the way that God leads you, he will make it more than enough, not just enough. Because he knew how much they needed. He knows everything exactly, and yet he created more than enough, an overflow amount. So if you'll take what you have and consecrate it to the Lord yes. and then put it where he wants it to go, you'll have yes. more than enough. And then because of your obedience that he knows he can trust you with what he's given to you, he will bring in increase because he knows that he can trust you. So then here comes increase. Here comes a truckload full of money backing up into your driveway to dump. Why? Because you were obedient. It's not about what you don't have. It's about what you do have and using what you do have properly. So often people, when it gets time to paying bills or dealing with money, they're looking at what they don't have. But it's not about what you don't have. It's about how you handle what you have. So keep your eyes on what he has already given you. So get your eyes off of what you don't see, what you don't have, what you wish you had, and get them on to what he has given you, what he has blessed you with. What did the little lad have? He had a little tiny lunch. Wouldn't it be easy to overlook that and think, what is that amongst all these people? But Jesus, it was enough for Jesus to do something with. It was enough for him to do something with. What you have right now in your midst, whether they are material goods or finances, it is enough for Jesus to do something with. It is enough for him to take you and bless you and multiply you financially beyond your wildest dreams, beyond what you could ever have figured out in the natural. He'll take you above and beyond. 
if you'll submit it to him. But see, so often somebody wants to buy a new TV instead of giving the money where God I just want a new TV. You can, right? Because he gives us all freedom. And, and then people wonder, well, gee, you know, so they get this little fix. They get this little need met. But there could be so much more. I've never known God to let me down when it came time for him asking me to give something away. Now, sometimes there was a time gap where I had to wait a little while. But any time I gave something away, he always gave me something better. Always. Always. I can't think of one time that he's told me to give something that I didn't get it back multiplied and better. I can't think. I'm not kidding. I cannot think of one time that he hasn't multiplied it back to me. And anyway, when you do that, you learn to be a liberal giver. You realize the reality is it's not your money. You're simply a steward on this earth of the money for the kingdom of God. And as soon as you start to get a revelation of that, you will begin to function and flow in a higher degree in God's economy and God's system of functioning and funneling money. And as soon as he knows he can trust you with that, the sky's the limit. Heaven's the limit. There is no limit. There is no limit because there's no end with him. There is no end with him. But you need to get to a point where you understand it's not really my money. I'm the steward over the money that God funnels to me, and I'm to distribute it as he wills. When I shop, I ask him, should I buy stuff? Whether it's clothes, whether it's little items. And sometimes I kind of want it. Sometimes I may really want it. But I'm like, should I get this? And if, I, if it's not really bearing witness, I'll wait until I get it bearing witness of it's a yes or it's a no. And there are times where I've had a check not to get something. And I didn't know why. And I laid it down, walked away. All right. He, God's not mean. He's not withholding things from you. It's probably because he's got something better anyway. Do you remember that? I get, told that story about the, that TV minister that wanted that tie. Remember that? Joel Osteen wanted a tie. He was in the store, and he wanted this tie, and, and he had a check that he wasn't supposed to buy it, so he didn't, but he really wanted it. And then as they were leaving the department store, and he walked through another store, he saw the exact same tie on sale, and then God's buy it. See, but if you get so caught up in, you f if you feel like God is depriving you, then what happens is, you close down your heart from being willing to listen to him. And then so that it won't count it against you as sin, he won't say anything. Do you understand that? He will allow you to go. He will allow you to do. See, if so if you don't ask him, if he knows you're going to do it anyway, often he won't say something because then it's not, not counted to you as sin. So when you say to him, do you want me to get this or not, you need to be open to listen to the answer. Otherwise, you're better off not to ask him. You know you're going to do it anyway. Do you understand what I'm saying? So if you set yourself up where you really don't want to hear from him, uh, you won't. And you don't have to. And he gives us that freedom. Do you have the freedom to be an authority over your money? Yes. Is it better if you let him be Lord over your money? Yes. But sometimes people have to get out of the natural thinking 
of thinking that, see, and I don't know why people think like this, it's wrong thinking to think that God is withholding things from you or not letting you have good things. He's not going to let you get what you want. That's not God. Because you need to remember God's system and God is a loving father. It's just like when your child wants something and you're in the thrift store and your child happens to see this train set and you know it's partially broken or most likely it's broken and you may say to him, no, I don't think so, let's wait. Now, immature, immaturity, immature understanding in that, that doesn't understand the parent is going to think the parent's withholding from me. The parent won't let me have that. And then we can do the same thing with God. How come God won't let me have the train set? Well, God knows it's broken. <laughs> if you'd wait, I know somebody that, well, I'm not going to go into all of this, but God had something set up where there was provision to cover somebody for a year. But they moved soon, and they changed their plans, and they moved premature, and they lost provision for a year. But there was something set up for them. There was something intended for them. It was put into place. It was put into motion. And then suddenly they made a really quick change. And it, then they went without it. So impatience will cost you in the kingdom of God. And you just heard Reverend Terry uh, say, better to be two steps behind God than five steps in front of him. See, sometimes I heard Keith Moore teach on this, that he was planning on buying somebody a house somebody that I think, I think worked for him, and he was going to buy them a house. But they didn't know this, and of course he didn't tell them. He was working on it. He was getting it arranged, and he was going to bless them with it. And yet they decided to actually move and leave the ministry premature. And he knew they were still supposed to be there, because look at the provision God was making for them. And they ended up leaving. And so they missed what God had for them. See, it's very important not to get frustrated with your situation or with God, with church, with ministers. It's very important not to get frustrated and to just continue seeking God. Continue seeking God so that you, you can take and partake of the best that God has for you. You don't always know what God has in store for you, but if you're patient and you're submitted to him and you're obeying him and you're obeying him in your finances, he will continue to bless you and increase you and increase you and increase you, and increase you, and increase you. He's a good God. He's a very good God. Okay, back to the working of miracles. Another reason for the working of miracles is to confirm the word. And in Acts chapter 13, Paul was preaching in Cyprus, and there was a sorcerer that was withstanding him. So Paul, through the power of God in the operation of the gift of the working of miracles, struck him blind for a season and to assign for others to confirm the word. It's, we also see the working of miracles in the New Testament for deliverance, to deliver people from danger. Now the gift of faith will carry a person through danger without being harmed. But the working of miracles is different because it changes the circumstances that cause the danger. An example from that is like Daniel in the lion's den the, was gift of faith because he was passive and just went to sleep. Remember we talked about this? So there were lions in there, and yet he just went to, went to sleep. Okay, that is then the gift of faith. Working of miracles would be different. Working of miracles would be, for example, if... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. <laughs> yeah, if the lions had dropped dead. <laughs> or actually, if he had spoken to them and the lions dropped dead. Because he's got to do something. He's got to do something. Working of miracles would be him 
killing the lions with his bare hands. He's got to do something. You know, God would give the supernatural ability to be able to do it, but working in miracles is active. If there's, there's some type of a work involved. Now, deliverance uh, from danger. Another example of this would be Paul shipwrecked in Acts 27. Paul did not say, stop the storm. Paul had God speak to him and knew that they would make it through the storm without losing one of the crew. If Paul had stood up and the working of miracles was functioning and he spoke to the storm, that would have been working of miracles because he would have been making a change in the natural course of nature. But he didn't in this case. And it just shows you going back to being led again, how important it is to be led by God. Because there are times where people spoke to storms and there are times where people rode them through. You need to know what you're supposed to do. So Paul knew that he was going to ride this through and that no harm would be caused to them even though the ship was lost. Now, in contrast to that, we have Jesus who worked a miracle in Mark chapter 4, verse 39. He was on a ship during a storm, the Sea of Galilee, and he said and spoke to it, Peace be still. That was working a miracle. Why? Because it changed the circumstance causing the danger. And that's a very good illustration where we can look at these two, see the difference there. The difference between the gift of faith and the working of miracles is that the gift of faith receives a miracle and the working of miracles works a miracle. All right, now we've got a little bit of time left, and I'm going to go ahead and do this and just see if we can get this much covered tonight. I'm going to go over to the gifts of healings. Okay, the gifts of healings. The purpose of the gifts of healings is to deliver the sick and destroy the works of the devil in the human body. And we know this because we're teaching healing right now also, and this is our main text for the healing. But in Acts 10.38 says, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Jesus ministered as a prophet anointed by the Holy Spirit. He only ministered where we see these types of gifts functioning through him after he was baptized and the Holy Spirit came upon him to minister. Even Jesus did not claim that he was doing the works himself. In John 14:10, Jesus said, The Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. Now, the diff one of the differences between him and us is that he had the Holy Spirit without measure and we have a measure of the Holy Spirit. Even in gifts of healings, and we know that it's plural, it seems that there are more than one types of gifts of healings. Well, Jesus functioned in all of them. All of them could flow through him without measure. Whereas somebody today that might, this gift might function through, it would be gifts of healings, but they may have only a measure of it. So that's why we've heard things like Catherine Coleman saying there were certain types of diseases that just seemed to get healed immediately and other things that just there didn't seem to be as successful results because she may have been functioning more in a gift of healing that was for certain diseases more than another area. Okay, Jesus said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me. Jesus was anointed to minister. You are anointed to minister. There is an anointing that will come upon you now and when you are finished to minister the gospel. Go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 4. Jesus went about speaking this over himself. 
You know, when we first started ministering, the, the anointing can increase on you. And I began speaking this over myself and confessing this over myself. And when I did, I noticed an increase. So I recommend that you take Luke chapter 4, verse 18 and speak it over yourself. Confess it over yourself. And, and I would say this, and I want you to do this. Go ahead and do this with me now. Even though everybody's going to have slightly you know, different words, but go ahead and do it for yourself, for your own benefit. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are downtrodden, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. So I would confess that over and over yourself, over and over yourself. Ha, so that when you sing out a song that's led by the Spirit, there will be healing power that will go out from you. When you speak out, there will be an anointing that goes out on the words that you speak. So when you speak out or you sing out, the captives will be set free. You want that anointing upon you because that anointing is the power of God and it's the power of God that breaks the yoke. It's the anointing that breaks the yoke. The anointing, the anointing comes from God. It's God doing the work. You speaking, you believing, God doing the work. The anointing breaks the yoke. You want that anointing. You want want to minister in that anointing and you want that anointing to increase increase in that anointing there are two different manifestations of healings that uh, we can have understanding of that's the gifts of healings which are manifested through another person it's important for you to know that gifts of healings will come through somebody else to you or you to somebody else but it comes through a person it's God it's the power of God, it's the healing power of God, but it's going through another human, it's going through another vessel. Whereas, simply receiving healing by our own faith in God's word is the other way for receiving healing. That's simply believing God's word by faith, believing his word, and receiving healing for our own lives. And that's where you're getting it direct from God yourself. Now, the better way is to do it by faith because you're not dependent on the gifts of the Holy Spirit functioning, which function as the Holy Spirit wills. The power of God is always present for you to get it by your own faith. And so that's the best way to go, because by your own faith you can always be healed. And that's the best way to teach people. Now we need to teach them both, because sometimes God ministers through gifts of healing, and that's fabulous when he does, but we don't know when he's going to do that. But what we do know is that we can teach people and we can build them up in faith and teach them and encourage them and strengthen them, strengthen their faith so that they can get to a point in a place where they can believe God for themselves. Now, I know that sometimes in healing, in gifts of healing, God will allow you, now this is just by faith, in the word of God, God will allow you to help a younger believer to receive healing. Sometimes God will allow you to use your faith to get a baby Christian healed. What I mean by that is this, that you can carry them sometimes on your faith. 
you'll just notice that you can do that. You can hook up with them wherever they're at and you can believe God with them and they can get a healing. But what I've noticed happen in that, in, in these cases, is that what happens is that time will go by and then God expects them to grow and wants them to grow and learn the word for themselves and develop their faith for themselves. So if they keep trying to get it the same way, oftentimes when they could get healed before by going to somebody else, whether it was gifts of healing or just another believer using their faith to hook up with them, to pray for them, to get them healed, a time will come where God will them to grow and mature and stand on their own the same way you would with a child you may help a child tie his shoe when he's two but by the time he's 10 he ought to be tying the shoe himself there's some skills there's some maturing there's some growing there's some trying that we need to see being applied right because otherwise you know they're just trying to do this because what they're lazy they don't want to do it themselves. They want the easy way out. Uh, somebody else fix it. Somebody else deal with it. Somebody else pray me through. And they want to go play. Somebody else spend a couple hours interceding because they want to go do something else. Well, you know, God's gracious and God's merciful, and that may cover them for a while, but a time comes when then God wants them to get it themselves. God wants them to grow up and learn the word. So what we do as believers then that know more than maybe some of the other people out there, which you all do now, is we encourage them to learn the word. We encourage them to study the word. We encourage them to get more of the word in them. We encourage them to go to church because they may have been able to get healed one time a long time ago or even for several times or even several years, but a time will come where God wants them to grow and mature. And see, then it may not work. And that's why there are people and there are Christians that go around from church to church or some of these big-name ministers which is fine because if you know they function in the gifts of healing, that is a great place to go. But they may get healed that way for several years or several times of different ailments, but a time's going to come where it may not work anymore because God wants them to learn. God wants them to apply their faith. See, so we're back at realizing that one of the best ways to get healed is by your own faith in the word of God and in God and believing that he wants you healthy and whole then you're not dependent on anyone else you just go straight to God your source your father your provider your healer amen